0: So we're in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to go, try to go through verses 12 through 19. and I'm going to just start reading that passage here as, uh, as they distribute that. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If, you be reproached for the same, for, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and first begin at us. What shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing, as unto a faithful Creator. Let's pray. Lord, you are a faithful Creator. And Lord, we've gathered here this morning to to open up your word that you've preserved over the many years that you created in and of itself, breathed out, we believe, every word of your word. And that not one jot or tittle has passed, and that you've preserved it to today for our benefit to apply to our life, to live the life that you have called us to live in such a time as this. So we thank you for your word. Lord, uh, move me out of the way and just uh, speak to me, speak to us as one body wanting to hear from their Father. We thank you, Lord. Give us ears to hear In your name we pray. amen. So now, hopefully you have a piece of paper that looks like this that has 1 Peter four twelve through nineteen on the right hand side and 1 Peter one three through nine on the left hand side. at the bottom, which this isn't uh, this is far from perfect and I am no teacher. Um, I ain't no teacher so, The thing at the bottom that says map key, there is no map, okay? So just, there's no map. But there is a key that I want us to, uh, that helps as we study these two passages at first in contrast. So, the word born again, you can see I've got the little, and here's the problem. I did this studying in color, and I thought, you know what, our church doesn't have a color copier, and I realized this yesterday. So, then I tried to go through and make things work for the black and white copier, I went down, to made some colored copies. So there's some colored out there. There's some black and white copies. I don't know what you have in your hand. But uh, if the born again, if you have a colored copy, is red. Otherwise, it has these dots on the bottom. The spontaneous praise and love towards God and his attributes either is yellow or has a circle around it. And God's preservation is either blue or has a wavy line underneath it. And then the words Temptation and trials are in capital letters because that is something that we're going to experience through our preservation. And then in bold, you're going to see Avoid Sinful Flesh responses. And then with the square around the words is talking about the completed salvation at the end, at the finish line, when we receive our new body with Christ as one church in heaven with our Father. So... Above, in those two passages, hopefully you see uh, the key making a little bit of sense here. But I find it interesting that he starts out this whole letter kind of the same way as what the passage we're in here today as we get to the end of First Peter. So let's just read First Peter, one, three, through nine together. Remember what the key stands for. The yellow or the circled words are responses of praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See the reference to our born-again salvation? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who were kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perishes though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, that's now, you love, in whom, though you have, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet you believe. You rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So, as I've looked at those two passages, just things just seem to jump off the page, how similar um, the topics are. That he's he's referencing now between 1 Peter 1 3 through 9 and chapter 4 where we're in now um, there's been a lot we've talked about not so uh, not so wonderful either that we like to, to regurgitate but we should in chapter 1 verses 2 through 3 he points out which is part of what we just read how the Father preserves us those that are born again and they go through these trials. the purpose of bringing him glory. In chapter 2, in 1 Peter, we talked about that we are to eat from the word of God, abstain and flee from fleshly lust, and that believers should yield to the spirit, which you'll find some of those other passages from Paul also in Romans and other passages. And then we are to submit to ordinances and government authorities and honor other people, love the church, submit to employers. Now, so far from that list, most of that, if not all that, I would say fall underneath the trials and temptations of life that we are living in in the present day. Then we go on to wives meeting their husbands, husbands going with their wives with knowledge and honor, controlling our mouths and our attitudes and responses to evil. So we can see from chapter 1 to chapter 4, there's a lot of real life things that we experience. And, as a Christian, how do we respond? And then Peter gave us an example we talked about in chapter 3 of verse 20. He talked about Noah and his family. And he said, The long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved. And that word saved there, the Greek word is diasoza or sozo. I'm no Greek expert, so... I don't even know how you pronounce it, but bear with me. But I want you to notice the dia on front of the sozo. <clears throat> when you look up that word, it means to save thoroughly through a curing and preserving process. Okay, so let's think about that. Eight souls were saved. Dia sozo. They escaped God's wrath and judgment and they were delivered to the other side thoroughly. Then verse 21 said, The like figure we're into baptism into Christ. Now, I put that parenthesis into Christ. That's not in the verse. Uh, the like figure we're into baptism doth also now save us. Okay? So we've talked about these verses, so I'm going to just kind of touch on a few things here. That word, now save us, if you look down below, means an immediate in present time. And that word save is sozo. Not diosozo. Sozo means to deliver, to protect. And the word immediate before it means you're immediately being protected. So why do you think those two words are in there differently? That's the question I ask when I'm studying God's word. Why Why the difference? Do we believe God is a God of details? Yes, we do. I believe God, when he had his people write the word of God, he told them to put in there diasozo, and then he said, "Put sozo in that spot." So the, that through thoroughly diasozo to save thoroughly through the curing and preserving process. I like to think about uh, well, first of all, dia means we know that means through because dia is a prefix. It means like diameter. You go through the circle to the other side. Okay. there's other words that are examples, but that's an easy one for me. Um, And I think of a thorough curing process. Maybe this weekend, someone will smoke some meat. And how long does that take? You don't just throw it on there and like a burger and flip it and you're done, right? It's a long, thorough process that goes through the meat. When you preserve something, those of you that can... There's a process that goes through. And what is the common thing in this preserving process of whether you're doing meat, vegetables? What's the common item? We're all using the freezer, right? Oh, well, meat. Okay, yes, that's just how I think. But vegetables, okay. Common thing is heat. Did you say heat or did you say meat? You said heat. Okay, I'm sorry, Brock. I can't hear either. so. So the common thing is heat. So, just wanted to make that point. We move to verse 21. So, the life figure, wherein to his baptism, does also now save us. And I'm going to skip over the parentheses that are in the scripture and go to, does also now save us of the flesh. Let's see. Not the point away of the, the filth. And then there's a parentheses. And it says, of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to, first, the word baptism. Now, we're not talking about a water baptism in that part right there. If you read Colossians 2, 6-15. and Actually, uh, let's just turn to that real. Actually, let's do the Romans 6, 3-4. You guys can look up those others later. Romans 6 three through four. This is about me talking and talking about being baptized into Christ. Because that's what saves us. Romans six. So he starts out talking about what should we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace can abound? God forbid, how should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death, therefore we are buried with him in baptism. Ba- by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. They talked about being planted together in Christ and in the likeness of his resurrection, that your old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If he be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead I have no more, that has no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died into sin once, but in that he liveth, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed into sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, there's many passages that talk about Jesus, us being baptized into Jesus, just like that passage talked about. Those others repeat the same. And so, when we read that, this like figure went to baptism, That's why I put in the parentheses, into Christ, does also now save us. It doesn't put away the filth, but you look at that word filth, you can see there it means moral dirt, depravity. And then the next words in the scripture are depravity of the flesh. What am I still living in? I'm still living in my flesh. But it does change the part, But the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the word flesh there is important to understand as well. Galatians 5.16. He's not just talking about my flesh and bones. He's talking about the sin of the flesh. It says, For I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. That these are contrary one to another, that you cannot do the things that you would. need to read more of that passage. But these are important concepts for a believer to understand. Romans eight one. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Remember the baptism has been to Christ, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Colossians two six through fifteen actually was referenced above. Let's read that together so we understand this concept better. Colossians two six through fifteen. These things are important to understand. I know we've not even gotten to our passage for the day. Um, But if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you're not going to be able to handle and battle the trials and temptations of the Christian life. Because you're going to be confused, you're going to be depressed, and you will be defeated. You have to know who you are in Christ and know God's Word. So, Colossians 2, 6-15. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. We have philosophy today, after the philosophy and the vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after the Christ. Remember, flesh versus the spirit. Well how does the Spirit think and to manage conflict, trials, temptations? They have their process over here. God's Word has this process over here, and they are contrary one to another. They do not jive. Verse 9 For in Him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in Him, which is the head of all principalities and powers, in whom also you are circumcised, with a circumcision made without the hands. And putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, without going into any detail, why do you think he picked that word circumcision of the flesh? Ponder it, study it. Remember, the flesh versus the spirit. Remember, we've already talked about when I'm born again, what did the verse say? <clears throat> Verse 21 that we read in 1 Peter, The like figure wherein to baptism into Christ does also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus, from which I have been baptized into. So there's something that has been cut away and no longer holds me captive. Yet I still live in it. Verse 12. Therefore I am buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him to the faith of the operation of God. Now, I'm not sure why he stuck the word operation on there, but i just... <laughs> it goes kind of with the other verse. <clears throat> Who has raised him from the dead? And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Okay? Now, this is... And you being dead... In your sin, this is pre-salvation, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and then, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We have the victory in Christ. It's important you understand, as a believer, who you now are. Romans 8 9 tells us, But you are not in the flesh. This is not who you are, but you're in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if any man of you do not have the Spirit of Christ in you, you're none of his. So Peter is repeating this theme and this process in these passages that, were, that we read previously in 1 Peter about how you live the Christian life in trials and temptations. And then it kind of spells out. You're born again. In response, you're going to, from the in dwelling of the Holy Spirit, when trials and temptations come, there's going to be a spontaneous thing you're going to want to worship. You're going to want to put your focus on Christ, not the ways of the world, and that you will be preserved under these trials. You will be saved. You will be brought through to completion to the other side. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, In whom Christ you also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also that you believed. This is a great verse. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, so when that happened, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of your inheritance into the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. In real estate, we have this thing called earnest money. When you write a contract, you put down earnest money. And that's in the concept that I am going to finish this purchase and I'm showing you how earnest I am. This is my down payment for what's going forward. You could liken it also maybe to a, uh, to tie it in with the word redemption here. Because when you get to the end of the closing, you're redeeming, hey, remember that $500 I put down? It's still here. I'm redeeming it towards the purchase of the property, okay? So that word earnest is a pledge. You can see there in the Greek. It's a pledge, it's part of the purchase money, it's a deposit in the transaction. So who's the deposit in this transaction? According to the word of God, there it's the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you and me. So God has He saved us immediately. He's deposited the Holy Spirit inside of you. He circumcised you from the flesh. Which you still live in and have to battle. And yet, He's given you the inheritance which is coming until the redemption of the purchased possession. What's the purchased possession? Me. What's the deposit? The Holy Spirit. And so, when you redeem something, you do what? You cash it in. So, when I get to heaven, what's what's been deposited? The Holy Spirit. When I'm there at death and judgment comes, what's the redeeming, only redeeming thing in me? Nothing I've done on earth. It's the Holy Spirit lives within me that says, yep, he's mine, he's redeemed, he's been paid for. Kind of like the, cu- the idea of a coupon or a gift certificate is being redeemed. Someone else provided it, the other person's redeeming it. So again, prior to Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, we're blind. In darkness, sinful, rebellious heart, in bondage, you're tied and yoked to your flesh, your heart itself was sinful, uncircumcised from anything, and born again, a lot of that changes. I say a lot because if one thing hasn't it, is we're still indwelling this sinful flesh. So you can see justification, sanctification, glorification. That's always been you know, we've talked about that a lot here in church. I have been saved. I am being saved, and I will be saved. Past, present, and future. So let's go to 1 Peter 4.12. So with that understanding of who we are, how we got to where I am in Christ, then all of a sudden, things started to happen in life. So when, when Peter was writing this, Estimated from what I could tell, this was sometime around 62 to 64 AD, um, Nero was in power, and Christians were being martyred. And not soon after this letter was written, they say that Paul and Peter were probably both martyred a few years later. It wasn't much much down the road that they were going to be gone. So, I'm not going to read Fox's Book of Martyrs because I forgot it at home. But, um, the whole book anyway. It's just going to be the first paragraph. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And just the first chapter and the first paragraph, he kind of gives a lead up as to what's going on in the Christian church at that time. Right up to where Peter is going to die. Um, but because we now have an understanding better of where we came from, who we are in Christ now, beloved, he's talking to us. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials which are going to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Okay, so let's talk about a few of these words. Beloved, that word was used uh, at Jesus' baptism when God talked about Jesus. Okay, my beloved son. Also at the transfiguration because God said those words again there. So God described Jesus as his beloved son. And it's most often used in the Bible to refer to Christian relationships, whether it be sons. And this is even from Paul and Peter and addressing other Christians as sons, brothers, children, fellow laborers, or individuals that specifically were addressed in letters. They use that word commonly as beloved. So how should we look at each other? In the same way, right? Because beloved there... Is, is basically mean someone that I love and care for. It's also used in 1st Lessians 2 8, talking about being dear. Now, I want you to look at the words, think it not strange. That's one word. And I'm not going to try it, whatever that starts with an X there after 3579. That's the word. It's used 11 times. And it means to lodge, to host, to entertain. So he's telling us, do not lodge, host, entertain. And I'm we're going to just skip over concerning the fire of Charles, which is to try you, because he's saying don't entertain this thought, and that's the thought concerning the fire trousers to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. That word strange by itself is not the same word. That word is actually more of a root word, and it's talking about uh, foreign, alien, maybe a guest, someone that doesn't belong naturally in that location. So he's telling you, I don't want you to post things that don't belong in your mind, and I don't want you to think that once these things start happening to you, that this isn't supposed to happen. Okay, so I want to differentiate those two. Now, the part in between, what are we not supposed to think about that, that he's talking about? He's talking about concerning the fire, fiery trial, which is to try you. Don't look at those things in the wrong perspective. Don't entertain thoughts as the world does as to, ooh, bad, bad. I, I don't think that's what I should be having to endure. Fill in the blank. So the word fiery trial, fiery trial, probably is different than just a trial, right? If you look at this one again, single word, fiery trial, it's used three times. It meaning is ignition, smelting, pure fire. Calamity of a test. So this is this is really turning up the heat. You're not gonna smoke your meat on a fiery trial, okay? This is something that you purify gold in. And I don't know, <clears throat> I've got a blank here because I never researched how long, how many times you have to turn that, put that gold into a, a smeltering or the heat to purify it, but I think it's based on what you want. Uh, I read something here the other day that they now, this was in 2020, they've chemically figured out how to, they can purify gold more pure than anything else in the past by basically putting it in the heat as hot as a white star. And that the gold will actually go from soft to hard. So this ignition, smelting, purifying. Remember what the Christians were experiencing. They were having their heads chopped off. They were being, eventually they were being burned to light the streets. After they were dipped in oil or oil poured on them. They were being pulled apart. They were being fed to the animals in the Colosseum as they all roared for it. These are the fiery trials that they were experiencing at the time. So trials we're going to learn are both are preserving and also purifying to the child of God. So not something we probably want to sign up for, but if you've been born again, we're wanting this. That's not our focus. who's our focus? Christ is our focus. We want to obey Him. But don't be surprised if these things start to happen. First Peter 1.7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.18. Now here is at the end of the story. I counsel you. Buy of me, this is God talking, I counsel you, that means listen, this not just be something you want to apply. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that you may see. So are these fiery trials something that God values? It sure seems to be. As much that if we look at the, those that have gone before us, Jesus, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Israel, Sarah, Job, Hannah, David, Daniel, Ruth, Naomi, Esther, the prophets, the judges, Mary, Martha, the apostles, the disciples, Peter, and hopefully even us, will be given the opportunity and welcome these things so that we don't think they're strangers in our life. Did any of these guys, or God Himself, as Jesus, run away from these things, or did He endure them? Now remember, you can only can't endure them in the flesh. You have to endure them by yielding to the Spirit. So the word "try" means to put to proof by experiment. We could think about uh, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The word is used in the Lord's Prayer, um, Israel's journey through the promised land to the promised land. In 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, There is no now you're gonna see a different word, but it is the same Greek word, okay? There is no temptation, or we could say a point to proof by experiment, taken to you but such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, tested above what you are able. But he will, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that word is end, that you be able to bear it. Bear it means enduring it. So it doesn't mean he's going to take you out of it. He's going to give you the means to endure through it. Galatians four twelve through 15. Brothers, I beseech you that you be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. Okay, so he's talking to these other Christians here. You have injured me. You know how through infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel to you at the first. After my own temptation, which was in my flesh, you You didn't despise me or reject me, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ is where is then the blessedness you speak of. For I bear you record that if it had been possible that you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Now, what do you think that trial was he was experiencing? But they were going to pluck their eyes out and give them to him. Maybe he had something wrong with his eyes, right? So, physical ailments can be a trial that God allows for a purpose. First Timothy 6, 9. But they that will be rich will fall into... Here, this is the same word. Same word as the 30... up there, try, 3986. Those that are rich will fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown. That means sinking, men in destruction, which this word destruction is a long form of punishment and perdition, which is ruin and loss. All everyone in this room here will fall in that category, so we better be paying attention. That's a warning to those that are rich. Like I said, that's all of us. So then James one two. It says, brothers, again he's talking to us. Isn't it kind of neat to have all these different disciples that now have the word of God and he addresses it all the same way? Brothers, brothers, and these brothers of ours are already gone ahead. But the word of God endures forever and it's still giving us the same encouragement. Brothers, count it all joy. Now hold on here, this word joy. Oh, that's on down the page here. Okay. Count all joy when you encounter many types of, and this is the same, the word temptation, there's the same one as try. Knowing this, that the trying of your face works patience. And I put that in blue because now when I'm in the the preserving stage here, I have temptation. Trials are coming. The trying of your face works patience. So that's going to pop out of me. But let patience have her perfect, which means her complete work in you, that you may be complete and entire and wanting nothing. Wanting nothing would be the same as what other things? Learning to be content, right? Blessed is the man that endures. That means you stand under pressure is what that word means. Stand under pressure. Temptation, that's the same word as, as earlier. For when he is tried, now this word tried is more of a finished product, to be done or come into being, okay? So when you're standing under pressure and it's coming down on you and you're trying to be patient and you're thinking, okay, God is making me complete here at the end. I just got to keep being patient, trusting him, obeying him, not responding to the world. So it says, for when he is tried, to be done and completed, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So look, don't let the man tell you that when he is tempted, or tested, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now this next part is very important to understand. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. That drawn away means to drag from a starting point. Okay, I want you to picture Picture Adam and Eve. I'm going to picture Jesus in the wilderness during the temptation. Okay? Now, the difference between the two are what? First Adam second Adam. Right now, going into the temptation, Jesus came from a different seed, right? He was born of Mary, but the Holy Spirit came and dwelled Mary, and he was not bound by sinful flesh. Okay. Adam he had a, a choice to make. Eve had a choice to make. They were made perfect and complete. But the Holy Spirit was not dwelling them. Okay. They weren't God. They were just man. Jesus was fully God and fully man. So every man is tempted and he's talking to us now. When he is drawn away, drugged from a starting point of his own lust, Lust, that word there is longing for the forbidden. Okay? When his own lust is longing for the forbidden and enticed, he's allured with something. And then when his lust has conceived, that word conceived means to clasp, to catch, to take. So he's lured with something, his lust is wanting it, and then when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. How many of us have experienced that? How many of us have experienced that? Revelation 3:10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep, and which keep that word keep there. Remember this in Revelation, he says, I will guard you from the hour of temptation which shall come. And he's talking to the church of Philadelphia. I'll guard you from the hour of temptation that shall come upon all the world to try to scrutinize and test them that dwell on the earth. So you can see why where we started with of knowing who we are in Christ is very important to understand as we're put through trials and temptations. If you don't know who you are, you will get defeated. Very easily through the pressure or through the luring away because you're not seeing it through the eyes of which, through the eyes of Christ and what you've been baptized from. And learning to put up hedges and guard yourself and discern, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get away from that. But when trials from the outside come at work and the employer says, well, everyone's working this many hours this week, do I Grumble and complain like we'll get here in a little bit. How do I, my, what's my tongue say? Is my attitude contagious in a good way or is it contagious in a negative way? Those things we need to trial through, need to persevere through in positive ways. So verse 13 in 1 Peter, But rejoice much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Joy means cheerful joy. So just look through those there. I'm going to kind of won't read each of these here, but being partakers means that you're sharing it with them. So kind of the same concept of being baptized in Christ, we're now going to be partakers of Christ's sufferings. That was part of the total package here of following Christ. Part of what needs to take up your cross and follow me, this is where the rubber hits the road. So verse 14, but if you be reproached, the word reproached means defamed, railed, chided, taunted at. Okay, so these are outside sources taunting at you. If you be reproached, in the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. So here's where God is giving us the ability through the Holy Spirit to respond and endure these reproaching things. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, God is glorified. Matthew 5. As a matter of fact, this word, uh, happy, is used in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Matthew 5.11, towards the end of them, it says, Blessed are you, and men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all oh, manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So here in 1 Peter, the end of the New Testament, Jesus was saying the same words in his earthly ministry. Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek, lowly in heart, and you shall find rest into your souls. unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's not saying... Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Go take a nap. He's saying, here, I'll give you my yoke. We're going to bear this together through the pressure which you're experiencing. Jesus is meek. Lowly and hard. He was humble. When I'm at work, am I meek? A meek person. Meekness, I've heard it said, and I believe it as you study it, meekness is lots of strength under control. Like a uh, you know, maybe a race horse or a draft horse, you know, I think of horses. When you put them under control the bit controls them. Now, when the driver says take off or the rider or the driver says take off and he gives them the ability to do it, he's got that horse has the means to do exactly what that driver says. But neatness is having all that bundled up And in complete control. And that was Jesus to a perfection. I mean, instantly, he could have, we're done here. And he didn't. So am I meek when I'm under pressure in my relationships with other people? Verse 15, but let none of you suffer. All right, so here's the contrast. Just to be clear, none of you should suffer as a murderer, which we know Jesus said is, do you hate your brother? None of you should suffer as a thief. Covetousness is the heart issue of a thief. Or as an evildoer. So just in case you didn't cover him yet, that kind of blankets over a lot of things. Or as a busybody. Now how does a busybody get in the same list as a murderer? A busybody in other men's matters. So do you desire to know, to control, or manipulate other people? Can we control our tongue? Those things are just as serious to God as a murderer. As a thief. In verse 16, Yet if any man has and this is suffering, as this contrast, suffer as a Christian, in which that is the word used here. The Christian is only used two times in the New Testament. This is the second time. First was in Acts. If any of you suffer as a Christian, a follower of Christ, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So he's getting ready to talk about this. Glorify God because of this. For the time has come. Now I want you to think about Noah. 'Cause that was an example that Peter used. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that of them that obey not, which means disbelieve, the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely, scarcely meaning with difficulty, hardly, be saved. Now there's the sozo. That's now he's not talking about Perseverance, are talking about saved. Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now the word "appear" there—where where are they going to be? An example of Noah—that was a man in a family that worked on that ark for what they say after the God spoke to Noah, they it like 100, 120 years, I think it was. The time frame of getting the supplies. No, what do you need all that stuff for? And they start working on it. No, what are y'all building out there? And then time goes by him. Sure, are doing what? That man was crazy. He doesn't. He doesn't even spend his time with us anymore. He's building on a big boat, whatever that is. It's going to rain. It hadn't rained in that that time frame. Rain hadn't come, and it's going to cover the whole earth. You're right, Noah. Think about the, the, the relationships he had through that time frame and compare them to ours. Do we think like the world or do we think so craziness because we believe what God says and are willing to put our lives on and apply our lives, as God says? It will look different than the world. And verse 19 says, Wherefore, let them to suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. This is a great verse. So he's telling us, because of all this that we've talked about, then let you, let me, suffer. Let's bring it on. According to the will of God, You know, so let's not go out and make our suffering by murdering people or doing things that are wrong or back-talking to our parents or rebelling against our employer or... Beating our wife, or talking bad about our wife, or wives trying to manipulate and control their husbands. That's what Peter just has been talking about. So let's not suffer because of those things. But if you're suffering according to the will of God, here's what's going to happen commit the keeping. So he's telling these Christians, I want you to commit the keeping. That word means to place alongside and present. Says, so if you're suffering according to the will of God, commit the keeping of your souls to him in what I do every day. I'm, Lord, keep my soul, commit the keeping of my soul to, in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Here's another verse that will help explain this better. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you've all heard it. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present. Present means present, to stand by. Very similar to commit the keeping word. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where a lot of this starts. Knowing who I am in Christ, putting God's word in me, training and making this flesh submit to the Spirit and not me submit to the flesh. It goes the other way around. The flesh has to submit to the Spirit. Which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be proved. Proved to who? Who do you think he's proving it to? Who's watching? The world we live in. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So this wrote that, notice that the, according to the Scripture, a born child of God will love God and His attributes with all His being while during demonstrating love to other people no matter the surrounding circumstances and the judgment starts here, with me. We just have to say that with, with me, Lord, examine my heart and when I find, and you will, when I find, not if I find, when I find issues of my life, not line up with what your word says, Lord. Repent of it. Repent to others that may need repentance I need may need to ask forgiveness from a brother or a sister. It may go that far. It may go further yet. It may be to my employer. Wouldn't that be fun? But Christians do that. That's what Christians do. I've been disrespectful to an employer, a teacher, you go find them, and you say, you know what? God's convicted me of this. I haven't treated you with respect. Will you please forgive me? That is the proving to the rest of the world that what I say is actually what I believe, because I've been changed. i put a list here of God's um, Attributes. These are just out of our Sunday school class, so they are simply simple definitions, first grade here. But these are things that we learn in our Sunday school class over time. These are things we need to focus on as, as Christians. This is the God that we follow, that saved us, who's king, who's on the other side, who defeated death, who defeated the grave, who defeated principalities and powers and rulers of dark places, and is king of all, rules the earth, These are his qualities. Let's pray. Lord, you are beyond any words we can come up with. You satisfy. Lord, help us each to look upon you those of us who have been born again, look upon you as your children and just fall in love with you. Not lose our first love because of of having thoughts and being in the world and starting to become of the world. If the Lord you call us to be not of this world, to be salt and light where you planted us. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, I ask uh, that you make us miserable until we... Lord, your word pricks our heart. And Lord, I just ask you to make us miserable until we address the areas that you have pricked with your word. And Lord, if we reject and I don't want to do that, Lord, we know by your word that you will increase the pressure until I do change those things in my life. Lord, this is why judgment has to start today in my own heart. Examining my own life. Lord, just ask that each of us would do that, uh, because it's critical. None of us know what today will even bring. Lord, by tonight, a lot of us, a lot of us, it could be different. None of us know what, uh, how much longer we have. Lord, I just ask that as a church body, our hearts will be complete towards you. Number one, because we've been baptized in you, but Lord, that we would recognize that we are in you. We're not of this world. We thank you for your word. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.